Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. It's Rochester Today, Thursday. I'm Andy Brownell, joined, of course, by Tom Ostrom. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Andrew. Good to hear your voice again. You look chipper this morning. Well, you too. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know if I look chipper, but... I'm getting a little better. And That's good to hear. You're getting worse. Yeah, I caught up, something caught me. I don't know what it was, but uh, yeah, it's bound to happen. It's that time of the year. Mm-hmm. So what is in the mailbag, Tom? From Wayne, reminding us, all the Democrats and media oppose Trump's border... But in 2006, the same Democrats and media supported the Secure Fence Act of 2006. Uh, Senator Obama, Senator Clinton, Senator Biden, Senator Schumer all voted for a secure fence. The U.S. Senate vote was 80 to 19, overwhelmingly bipartisan for 700 miles of fence. Now, what happened? Uh, that's that's a good question. And I just think it's because Trump wanted the fence and they didn't want to be successful. Plus, I think Democrats really think the open border flow will get them voters in the future. Uh, these millions of people coming over, then be grateful that they're here. But I still kind of chuckle. Uh, the Democrats keep telling us what a rotten country we have, and the border's open, and they <laughs> want more people to come, and the people want to come. So, But anyway, uh, uh, Wayne, Wayne gives us a little bit of history there. Well, on a, on the relate, on a related front, there is a move afoot in Congress. A bipartisan group is putting forward a limited immigration reform package. It's pretty darn limited. Um, basically, it would bolster security along the border, uh, $40 billion worth. It would extend the, I think they call it Rule 42, where people seeking asylum would be turned back immediately. They would file their case, but they would have to wait to hear about their case from the other side of the border. And it would also create a path towards citizenship for the so-called dreamers, the people who are brought into the country as children by their parents illegally and are kind of caught in a quagmire. Uh, you know, they're in limbo is what they are. They were raised here from early childhood, but have no documentation to earn a living or in many cases go to school. So a trade-off, obviously. It'll be interesting to see if it goes anywhere. I have my doubts, but a very, very limited proposal Mm. to get the ball rolling on something. Interesting, but Rule 42, that was in effect when President Trump was in office. And I wonder what does Mexico do with all the people that are on their side of the border then? What troubles are caused or what costs are there? Uh, How do they deal with that? I'm sure it creates a sizable mess for them as well. Right. Uh, KLS quoted Alpha News that Mayo Clinic refused a kidney transplant for another unvaccinated woman. And KLS said, that is not decent and it's absolutely shameful where's the medical model do no harm and then alice uh, responded to that uh, uh, that uh, kls sent to several of us and alice said 
other hospitals should be considered to try the uh, University no. of Minnesota Hospital. It's uh, it's nationwide. It's not necessarily the Mayo Clinic. It's the Organ Donation Network, isn't it? UNOS, I think it's called. It might be called something else today, but uh, they do make stipulations on people who are wishing to receive transplants. And they, you know, they require people who are seeking many transplants to forego alcohol or smoking or other things and also to be immunized against various illnesses. And one of the requirements they're putting in place, have put in place through this pandemic is uh, a COVID vaccination requirement. It's not happening just here locally. It's happening in many hospitals nationwide. So Olmstead Medical Center would have the same rule then. Yeah, but Olmstead Medical Center doesn't do transplants either. There's only a handful of major medical centers that do these sort of transplants. Okay. And my understanding is they all have that rule. Mm. Well, it's it sounds draconian, but uh, they've got their well, reason. The theory is that for this precious organ that so many people are waiting for, they want to give it to a person who has the best chances of success. And this organization that oversees the allocation of these donor organs has decided that protecting yourself against COVID with these vaccines uh, puts you in that position. Agree or disagree? That's that's where they're at on it. Okay. And then um, Rose, uh, KLS and I had uh, expressed disappointment in Trump's recent statements and dinner and uh, that uh, he was alleged to have said the Constitution should be terminated and he should be placed in office because of election fraud. And uh, Rose said, a massive fraud, this is what a statement was, a massive fraud of this type allows for the termination of rules, regulations, and articles even those found in the Constitution uh, and states run the elections. Uh, and Rose said, how can that be interpreted as Trump calling for a termination of the Constitution? Uh, change it a bit to read the reality of the statement. We're experiencing that issue. Massive fraud uh, did occur in the 2020 election and it allows for rule modifications when discovered if people do anything about it. And then she said, Soros has paid off enough DAs to terminate constitutional laws. And uh, mainstream media is victimizing criminals. Uh, Trump is the only one that can handle this problem. And I don't want DeSantis to run. He's a great conservative, but I don't want his family to go through what Trump's family has. His whole family would be uh, persecuted as Trump's is even being prosecuted on, on business law and finances, uh, who wants to find this good family man stabbed? And I responded, well, with that philosophy, the Democrats win with their uh, uh, election issues and with their uh, uh, dominance and, and cruelty to candidates, then they win. No one will want to run. So that wouldn't work. And and then KLS agreed with me and said uh, that's for the DeSantis family to figure out if they want to endure it. But uh, uh, and then Rose even said these people he invited to dinner that are so controversial, maybe he was trying to win them over or change their evil ways uh, on the, on the, on their their beliefs and their statements. But 
the defeat now of uh, Walker in Georgia, a Republican, another election that the Republicans lost. Well, I thought Walker was a poor candidate. He did not have the background to be a senator. He's a nice guy and a athlete, a winning award-winning athlete. But uh, I, Trump picked him too. But it was a close race, and Warn and Warnack uh, pulled it off in Georgia. And now people are blaming Trump for another candidate that he picked that, that didn't uh, must pass muster. Um, that's the mailbag answer. Okay, well, the saga continues within the Republican Party. A great, I guess, uh, a great fight for the soul of the party, if you want to put it that way. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out over the next two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, the party has become, in my view, since the uh, 2016 election, the party of Trump. Uh, he controls many of the party leadership positions across the country. Not all, but many of them. And uh, obviously at the top levels within the Republican National Committee, you have loyalists to the former president in place. So whether or not a major challenge to his powers within the party will be successful is yet to be uh, decided. And he's being blamed now for picking poor candidates. Uh, several of them lost, several of them won, and he's being blamed for uh, the Georgia uh, losing its U.S. senators uh, because of interventions Trump made. And uh, so people are saying, uh, and, and then there's some very wealthy financiers who supported Trump's uh, election run who say they will not contribute to him if he runs again. So uh, people are trying to find the blame for the Republican losses, even though they gained the House barely. And people, Republicans are even saying that uh, the head of the Republican National Committee uh, should be replaced. And some people are are going to run against her, Trump, uh, 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 Romney's niece. Uh, so uh, people are trying to figure out what happened and they have lots of things to think about. Yes, sir. That's for sure. The fight for who is going to be the nominee is going to be a pretty wild one, I think. We'll come back after uh, the news. Well, not a news break. We're not ready for the news break yet. I told you I was a little little under the weather, Tom, but we'll keep it on track and we'll return with more of Rochester Today in a moment on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is the with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back to Rochester Today. Tom Ostrom's here. I'm Andy Brownell. And $17.6 billion budget surplus. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, that one actually caught me by surprise. I thought. It was going to be in the twelve to thirteen billion dollar range, but when they came in at over seventeen billion dollars uh, earlier this week, that's that's like one third of the state's budget, annual budget as a surplus. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's prima facie evidence of overtaxation right there. And I well, know there are those who disagree with me who would say. There are so many needs and challenges faced by the state. This is money that needs to be invested in the future by spending it on various programs. But um, with the one party in control of all three legs of the government, uh, 
I'm more than a bit concerned that uh, there won't be any long-term tax relief in this thing, that the governor is proposing one-time rebate checks and some other tax reforms. But uh, I think it'll be rather limited in scope, and I'm fearful that a great deal of this money might be spent on new programs or addition to programs that will create new baselines and that will ultimately lead to a future budget deficit. In fact, it could lead to a future budget deficit in a very rapid way uh, if there were a dip in tax revenues in the following biennium. But um, certainly it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, a lot of eyes would be paid, a lot of attention will be focused on the state legislature this year. Well, the Office of Management and Budget says strong collections and lower than projected spending added to the surplus. Economic headwinds uh, uh, lowered expected growth, but the large leftover surplus and net revenues created this uh, $17 billion uh, surplus. And uh, however, the Minnesota Office of Budget and Management said it was tax collections that were strong and lower than projected spending. But House Minority Leader, Republican Lisa DeMuth of Cold Spring, um, or it might be DeMuth, D-E-M-U-T-H, released a statement on the surplus. And she said, Minnesotans are being massively overtaxed. We should spend most of the next session working to give as much of it back to Minnesotans as possible. Tax hikes of any kind should be a non-starter. Uh, and the Coalition of Greater Minnesota Cities president... Uh, and Thief River Falls Mayor Brian Homer said uh, uh, on this thing that this is terrific news for Minnesota. The budget surplus uh, coupled with uh, federal dollars waiting to be matched means state leaders have a once in a generation opportunity to make investments that will have a lasting impact on improving our communities. So different opinions on uh, on that issue, Andy, as usual. And the uh, legislature has never been faced with a surplus of this size ever in the state of Minnesota. And that includes both as a proportion of the state budget and the sheer dollar amounts involved. Other economic news, the Rochester City Council approved the 2023 budget. Uh, T.J. Leverance, our news anchor, uh, reported on it and said the city council approved the budget last Monday. Five council members supported it, one opposed it, and another one abstained. And uh, it includes a property tax increase of 6.85%, brings the property tax levy to over twenty uh, over $92 million. And the budget includes expenses and revenue for Rochester Public Utilities. Uh, and city documents talk about the expenditure areas, uh, $367 million for operations, $213 million for capital improvement, 19 million for debt service, a general fund increase of 4 million, and uh, and there's public safety expenditures there and public works there, and and then a category that says other. So lots of money. Yeah, and the uh, one thing that bothers me about this, and I, I apologize because I caught me by surprise. Um, I a council member abstaining on this. This is. This is probably the most important thing the city council does every year is sets the budget for the next year because it lays out 
the city's priorities on both infrastructure projects and policy because when you spend money on an area it creates policy decides priorities for the community i i can fully understand somebody voting nay on this to object to something they see within the budget or the general trend in the city's budget but to step back and not vote at all on it not take a stand on as a city council member i think that's i don't know inexcusable to me i i I think so in that way you can argue both sides of the table can't you it's not my fault i didn't vote for it or depending on who you talk to it's very cynical stance in my view the nurses have uh, solved their problem evidently and a strike has been averted and uh, salary increases occurred and budgets were talked about and the the different hospital systems in Minnesota and in Superior, Wisconsin, uh, evidently have uh, solved issues enough that the, the strike will be postponed. Uh, I think it, well, it's right. There's still a possibility the nurses could reject the contracts, but I think it's highly doubtful. It was 18% pay raises over three years in the Twin Cities and 17%. In the Duluth area, which would be both Duluth and Superior for the hospitals up there. So very sizable pay increases. Not what they were asking for, but they also got to say in um, some staffing issues. And I know that was a big issue that uh, yeah, when hospitals cannot... get short staffed, yeah. it puts a big strain on those who are working and also could impact patient care depending on how it's done. And there's language within the contract that's kind of nebulous as to how that that will you know will be handled by the nurses right but the nurses evidently will get a bigger voice in staffing and there's protections now against terminating nurses who uh, disagree with policy yes let's say thank goodness it got resolved that's all i yes. can say that would yes. have been a terrible terrible mess right december 7th 1941 the Japanese attacked the naval base at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, putting the U.S. into the war, although the U.S. was in the war, helping uh, Britain uh, 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 under subterfuges and Franklin Roosevelt trying to avoid certain limitations that Congress had on his war-making powers. But anyway, the governor, Governor Waltz, ordered flags at half-staff for Pearl Harbor Day, and, uh, and uh, that historical event... Uh, uh, is is remembered then. Uh, some people blame FDR for the Japanese attacking Pearl Harbor, saying he coaxed them into it. And uh, America has somewhat of guilt for the using the nuclear weapons to end the war with Japan. But uh, but that uh, that reminiscence uh, uh, has been celebrated. The casualties in war, uh, the cost of the effort, and the result of the effort. There can only be probably a handful of the survivors of the Pearl Harbor attack still with us. Uh, And that certainly is a sad thing to consider that it won't be too long now and there will be none um, who were there that day and survived uh, that are still with us to tell the story of what happened on that day. That's right. Uh, I was going to take a break. We've got to take a break for news. We're up against the clock. Okay. We'll come back in a moment. Tom Ostrom's here. I'm Andy Brownell, and it's Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to... Today, Thursday morning, I'm Andy Brownell with my friend Tom Ostrom. 
on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Did my homework, Tom, during the break really quick. I apologize for not having it off the top of my head. It was City Council Member Kelly Kirkpatrick, who was the only uh, person who abstained on that vote on the City Council uh, for the budget for 2023. I just thought I'd get that information out. Governor Christy Noem of South Dakota banned TikTok uh, for South Dakota government workers, said we will not have any part in intelligence gathering for China, and China is associated with that. The TikTok uh, 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 organization was was bought by ByteDance, and that company is partly owned by the Chinese government, and uh, the Chinese Communist Party uses it evidently to manipulate the American people, uh, Noam said, and they gather data off the devices that have access to the platform. And South Dakota Republican Congressman Dusty Johnson applauded Noam's announcement and said there were efforts to do the same uh, by the federal government. And Nebraska has already done the same thing. And as you point out, the concern is that this app, the way it is put together, can glean an enormous amount of information about the user uh, from their cell phones by the permissions it uses to connect to other things in a person's phone other than just this app. I, there's, there's fears that that could be used by the Chinese against us. Uh, it could be used, as you pointed out, to... Um, spread disinformation in some way shape or form but there's also concern that it could actually access data on your phone that a person would not want to be accessed and then if you're a government employee (laughs) that raises severe security questions Um, there's also concerns that perhaps there's a back door built into it that would allow somebody with nefarious activities plan to use that as a way to I get you know guess hack to put it as simply as I could I know there it's not just a fringe discussion there are serious discussions taking place in Washington on both sides of the political aisle with very severe concerns about the security of this app which is one of the most popular apps in this country and in the world today especially among young people well, it's and, funny. Uh, part of this is the political consideration because if you take away their TikTok, TikTok, they'll probably scream bloody murder because it is it's that popular amongst the young people. I've never been on it. I have no idea. Well, uh, that's funny because so many members of Congress and and corporation uh, leaders uh, uh, are catering to China, dealing with China, reluctant to criticize China, uh, and so they're worried about this, but. Uh, even the Pope is reluctant to criticize China and they're never held accountable for their excesses or even their their concentration camps. So, you know, but the catering to China by academia, the media and politicians, uh, you know, they went after Trump for uh, alleged collusion with Russia, Russia collusion, Russia collusion. These people that favor China, why isn't that China collusion, China collusion? And I think some of these people should be looked at when the Republicans take over Congress of just what their policies do. So on the one hand, we criticize China or this country. On the other hand, we cater to China and protect. Yeah, it. we do. You know, it's, yeah. There's uh, follow the money, as they say, Tom. And it's not just uh, campaign contributions or other 
more blatant activities like that. It's it's how cheaply can we get goods made so the consumers in the United States will purchase those goods and stay within their budgets. It goes from televisions to cell phones to any sort of knick-knack you can think of that can be manufactured far cheaper in China than it can be manufactured here. And, you know, it's a there's a great interdependency there between the Chinese and the United States. And that's why it's so difficult to resolve because of that's those right. connections. And Trump disciplined China by having uh, tariffs against them. And many Republicans spoke against the tariffs, including Mitch McConnell, the Republican Senate leader. Uh, Elise uh, Stefanik is a uh, New York congresswoman, a Republican. And she gained attention and fame during the Trump impeachment hearings where she went after Jerry Nadler and other Democrats and really was a good debater defending Trump and going after them. And she's since gotten a national notoriety from it. She says the U.S. Postal Service workers tore open her campaign mail and stole $20,000 in campaign checks while leaving donors exposed to identity theft. And uh, she shows and posts pictures of the destroyed... Uh, envelopes they're addressed to her and destroyed checks that someone in the postal service was opposed to this uh, and and released pictures of, of the trash that was at the post office and some postal workers are accused of uh, meddling into this uh, ballot drop box stuff they had authority you know the postal service got the uh, ballots in the mail and they picked up ballots and some postal workers have been accused of messing around with the ballot drop boxes but she said that's what happened to her and the house republican conference committee chairwoman which she is uh, has the proof and they're investigating the postal service about it she has a lawyer going after them and the pictures are uh, are shocking uh, and she said uh, uh, we're pursuing it and but the postal inspectors and the postal uh, u.s postal service director say well we can't do anything about it unless someone cashes one of the checks and then we can do it so in other words the postal service is stiff arming her but she said that's going to change when we take over the house all right another thing to track yeah how much time we got we have a few more minutes go ahead okay breaking Rasmussen poll, a majority of Americans and even some Democrats believe that the Arizona election mess, irregularities is the term they often use for this election business, uh, led to the election outcome. It affected the outcome. And uh, the Democrats, uh, even Democrats said it was a mess and impacted the election. And the Rasmussen poll said 72% of the Americans polled believe the Arizona voters were deprived of their right to vote with these machinations on November 8th. And 71% of those polled believe the problems affected the outcome of the election in Minnesota, or in Minnesota, in Arizona, uh, that gave Democrats the victories. And Republicans are furious about it, but as usual, they won't do anything or nothing can be done. And, um, uh, Katie Hobbs is the Secretary of State. They're winning the election. Uh, and she, she was the head of the election process as Secretary of State. And uh, Republican Carrie Lake 
was defeated by less than 20,000 votes. But uh, uh, people saying the election was botched and it's unreliable. And some some Arizona officials didn't want to certify the election, but the Secretary of State said uh, we will then charge you with a felony. You'll end up in court. So Arizona still uh, debatable. And I had also saw an article, Tom, that the balance of power could have hung in the balance if the Arizona vote was not certified. And I'm talking about the U.S. House. Mm-hmm. That by failing to certify the results, it would have affected the congressional races in Arizona and by leaving them off the table because that's what it would do would mean the Republicans wouldn't control the U.S. House. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I do not understand how these elections can be botched as badly as they are botched in places like Arizona. But... Uh, it's incompetence is what it is. Mm-hmm. You, you would argue it's purposeful machinations, but either way, it's not a good thing for our democracy to have it be that messy. You go, you go back to what happened in Florida with the, you know, the idea of the dangling chads and the yeah, arguments yeah. we all went through 20 years ago. And sure. that, led, that led to reforms in Florida. They had to clean up their act and actually run elections in a proper way. Uh Maybe this will do the same thing finally. People look at what's going on in Arizona and go, get your act together. Mm-hmm. We have time for one more item. What do you want to do? Again, the Republicans, they are not united. Mitt Romney, a Republican in name only, I would call him. Uh, and then Susan Collins, another senator. They have openly, publicly dismissed the idea of impeaching uh, the Department of Homeland Security Chief Mayorkas for the uh, open border policies and, and not enforcing the border laws uh, that Congress passed. And they said, we are not in favor of impeaching him. Right away, Republicans backing off, not having the teeth to go after Democrats uh, and, and their their excesses. And that's just what's wrong with the Republican Party. Why do they say that? Romney said, well, there's not even evidence of him uh, 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 malfeasance. Well, there's plenty of evidence if he's not enforcing the border, but that's what the Republicans have to deal with, Andy. All right. Well, on the other hand, there was no way a impeachment would have led to a conviction either way, just because the Republicans don't have enough votes in the Senate. That's right. But that's what saved Trump from him. Uh, being removed from office. Republicans control the Senate then. But the action, I think, still should be taken. So Republicans are uh, 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 giving notice that they intend to fight back on these excesses. But uh, again, they got two people right away saying we won't cooperate with that. All right, we'll take our break then, Tom, and uh, come back in a moment with Rochester Today. News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is The Family Escape with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back. More of Rochester Today, Thursday morning with T.O. Tom Ostrom. What do you want to cover next, Tom? I just want to mention that uh, Romney and Collins not wanting to have impeachment hearings against the Democrats. uh, But to have those hearings is what gets information out. 
uh, you know, Democrats weren't successful in removing Trump from office, but a lot of information came out. And same would with, with in this case. Um, so we'll, we'll okay. see what happens. But and on on the international scene, um, the Biden administration is increasingly uh, criticized by Republicans about where are the billions of dollars in value and money sent to Ukraine and weapons sent to Ukraine. Uh, and uh, some Republicans say there just have to be audits of this the billions of dollars sent. Uh, and, and Republicans are telling the White House we're going to audit that uh, when, we're, when we're in charge. And Senator Thune of South Dakota said uh, Republicans support aiding the Ukraine, but it must be managed, it must be disciplined, there must be accountability. Uh, if not, uh, we'll be forced to cut off uh, funding, although that would be very, very controversial. And the president of Ukraine is the person of the year in Time magazine. That was announced yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And his country is being hit by Russian uh, nuclear missile war, but the warheads have been removed. The Cold War missiles are being used, and some say that means the Russians are running out of uh, weaponry when they have to do that, but they keep being effective with what they're doing. And... uh, then the Ukrainians had a drone attack on the air bases inside Russia. The Russians are saying uh, that that's uh, unfair warfare. <laughs> so, what? Terrorism. But the Ukrainian drone oh, attacked an air base in Russia, killed some maintenance workers, and that'll put the Russians on notice so, that, that they can be retaliated against. So you're at war, and you're going to declare a counterattack upon yourselves as terrorism. Yeah. Not huh. and the irony of this is my understanding is that the Ukrainians used really old Soviet technology to do this. That there were reconnaissance drones that were made back in the nineteen seventies that they were able to stuff enough explosives into them to create a warhead and flew them undetected because essentially you've created a a cruise missile is what you've created. Mm-hmm. Uh, and used these old uh, Soviet Cold War era drones mm-hmm. to attack the uh, the air base that had the bombers ex- that were destroyed or at least damaged by the explosion. Yeah, and the Russians are they say running out of ammunition and ordnance, but uh, the Ukrainians uh, are too. That some of their uh, equipment is breaking down. Some of the equipment that they've been sent by allies uh, are breaking down. It gets old, it gets worn, it gets dangerous to use uh, in that sense. And you wonder what Putin will do if he can try to maybe go after the nations that are providing the weaponry that that are striking Russia. But, yeah, there's absolute hypocrisy there. That's unfair what they're doing. As far as the war readiness that you're talking about, the ability to use the equipment to commit acts of war, um, I have read analysis that Russians are, as you point out, facing the same problems. That when you use this equipment or you don't use this equipment either way, it it breaks down. Uh, and they require, obviously, their heavy equipment. They require maintenance and they need... Uh, warehouses full of spare parts to keep them running right and if that supply chain is broken they will stop running they're just like it takes a lot to keep a bulldozer operable it takes a lot more than that to keep a tank operable 
or a mobile missile system operable. And I, my understanding is the Russians have a major problem with this because uh, many of these conventional warfare weaponry uh, wasn't well maintained during That's the right. 90s and the 2000s. That's right. But it's my understanding that the Ukrainians don't have repair facilities either that right. are up to speed. And so they've got to send the repaired weaponry that needs repairing to Poland or to other places where they do it. War of attrition, that's what it is. Which side can last the longest in this horrible, nightmarish situation? It's. I can't believe it's gone on as long as it has. I would have thought somewhere along the lines before the winter arrives, there might have been some sort of political settlement to this, but uh, it seems as if both sides have dug their heels in. And uh, Putin obviously thinks... He's got to do this or he'll lose his grip on power within Russia. I, and I think that's probably true. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there is some sort of withdrawal, um, there's been enough casualties among Russian young men from this thing that uh, he's got a civil problem on his hand. If That's right. If it goes south, it's a, it's a bad, bad situation. I, you know, I, and the and Ukrainians... Without some sort of guarantee of their own safety and sovereignty, they're not going to quit. No, but you wonder if they could ever repair the infrastructure in their country, the Ukrainians, and who do they expect to help? They expect the United States to to help too. But plus there's another danger. Putin is evidently very seriously ill with cancer and other problems. And will that make him all the more irrational uh, to have some kind of success before he passes away? Yeah, there's a highly volatile, dangerous situation on our hands, and it has been from the moment it began. And I just pray that rational minds will step forward and find a way to resolve this, because every single day, people are getting killed, every day. And uh, Russia, uh, the Ukrainians, too, are losing the ability to keep up with things, and some of the allied nations helping the Ukraine are complaining that their war materials are being uh, used up uh, more than is safety for them. The United States uh, has limitations on its war-making supplies, and so do other NATO nations. So uh, some people are concerned with that, too, Germany especially. Well, they should be. We should be as well. We're um, sending cruise missiles, not cruise missiles, the the HIMAR, high-tech missiles, the... uh, uh, anti-aircraft weaponry, the anti-tank weaponry, um, very, very expensive machines that are stockpiled for use if we are in some sort of conflict, and we don't have enough of them, is my understanding right now. We need to get production in the pipeline now because it'll take two years to even begin refilling our stockpiles of these tor- types of conventional weapons. Mm-hmm. So it is affecting our military readiness in the United States as well. Goodness gracious, we're out of time already. Mm. We have to return and chat again on Tuesday of next week, Tom. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Look forward to it. You have a great weekend. You too. That's Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell, and this has been Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM at 96.9 FM. Cordell with the law firm Cordell.